Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. The Ark of the Covenant, God is with us in the detail. It was made by Belzalel, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, and he was a skilled craftsman who was in charge of making the worship tent that Sammy told us about last week, the tabernacle, when the uh, Israelites were in the desert. We could, I suppose, call it the Ark of the Presence, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of of the testimony, the ark of Yahweh, the ark of witness. The Lord instructs Moses to make a sanctuary so that he may dwell amongst them. And as Sammy said, I listened to his sermon the other night, just to make sure that nothing crossed too much. It was a a focal point. It was a visual aid of his presence. It was a visual aid of his reality. It was a visual aid of the commitment and the promise of the pact that the people only worship him. And the ark is the first thing to be made. We saw it there in the video. A chest box made of acacia wood, covered in gold. It was hollow in order to hold the tablets of stone on which were written the Ten Commandments, which were given to Moses at Mount Sinai. And written on them was the law of God. Hebrews 8 verse 5 tells us the sanctuary was a tent. And as again, as Sam reminded us last week, it was made on a heavenly pattern that was given by God. And it was at the heart, and at the heart of the tabernacle was the ark in the Holy of Holies, into which the high priest Aaron would enter on one day a year, the day of atonement, and would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, which was the lid of the ark with the two angels or cherubims on top, looking over it and covering it. That was also a symbol of things to come. The day of atonement was a day of confession, a day of admission, a day of remission of sins, of forgiveness, of cleansing, and of holiness. And you know, God's presence was absolutely awesome. It was no old pals act here because he is holy. He is without sin. And so in our daily lives, each one of us, we have symbols. Symbols that remind us of the realities of life in order to recall meanings and things or to recall memories or special moments. We can think of a few. Starbucks. Coffee, cakes, KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, they have symbols, fast food, flags, national, reminds us of countries, nations, badges, reminds us, I don't know, could remind us of anything, groups, I suppose, pop groups, football teams, uh, charities, we have crosses. They could remind us for religious reasons. They could just be jewellery. 
They could just be decoration. Buildings. We have buildings that are special to us. Places where we have memories or we've had experiences. Photos, gifts, memorials, plaques. The queen has a crown. She also has a royal seal. Charities have particular signs and symbols. Road signs have symbols. Highway code has symbols. Hospitals have symbols. We could go on. We think of some of the things and symbols that we've had in the past that we remember. Hence, these. I've taken my glasses off. I can't see you when I've got my glasses on, but I can see what I'm reading. And firstly, whoops, there goes my microphone. Many years ago, when I was in the Salvation Army, I went to the Bible College for two years. And when we were commissioned, uh, is the word that the army used, not ordained, me and Jill were followers of Jesus, yeah? And it says, 1990 to 1992, William Booth Memorial Training College. And we were in the Albert Hall when we got commissioned. This is embarrassing. And we wore these sashes as we proudly marched in to be commissioned or ordained. But they were symbols. And even today, they're still symbols that have a meaning behind them and that are precious and was part of my spiritual journey. And then Jill, forget the rollers, that's just to keep it in shape. Many, many years ago, used to wear the Salvation Army bonnet, which again was a symbol, which eventually now is, is no longer, uh, I don't think they wear hats even now, uh, but it was a symbol that had meaning and that was precious. And then finally, <clears throat> you can all look at this after, this is an actual photo of all the people that trained to be ministers when we did. So what you've got to do, I'll put it on the table after, is you have to find where Paul and Jill are. Okay? But again, followers of Jesus session, it says 1990 to 92. But they're symbols, symbols, and part of me, part of Jill, and part of our journey. Life is full of them, and as we've said, they all represent something. But you know, far too often we forget so quickly the things that really matter. We are far too easily, if we're honest, sidetracked by life. And of course, symbols sometimes can, I'm not saying they always do, but they can become just that, symbols. Nothing more. And the reality of the symbol is lost. The meaning of the symbol is forgotten. And in effect, we have the symbols, but all we do 
is go through the motions. There's no real depth. The ark was at the center of the Israelite camp where God's presence rested. The tabernacle tent was erected and get this, the people, the people camped around it. God was at the heart. God was at the center of his people for their journey through life. Their lives revolved around their journey. Their lives revolved around the sense of his presence. How true is that today for each one of us? What do our lives revolve around? When God moved, they moved. Not until they kept near to him. They were under his direction. They were under his control. They went where he went. God's will was paramount and priority. They didn't question where he was leading them, for they knew, they knew it was to the promised land, the place of blessing, the place of enrichment, the place of enhancement. Question to me and you this morning is this. Do we know where God is leading us? Do you know where God is leading you? As a church, do we know where God is wanting us to go and wanting to take us? We've already said about symbols and things. They can come and mean nothing. We just go through the motions. No real depth. If you like, it's more of a tradition than a way of life. Now, I'm not knocking tradition because there's nothing wrong with tradition if it's still applicable, if it still works. But somebody once said, and this is the danger and what we've got to guard against, tradition, the living faith of the dead, or tradition, the dead faith of the living. I'll say that again. Tradition, the living faith of the dead, or tradition, the dead faith of the living. As I already said, I'm not knocking tradition. I've got my roots in Salvation Army. But we have to move forward. We have to get perspective. We are here today because of the freedom that God gives us. Things have to move forward. As in the days gone by today, our faith should be mobile, not static. The tabernacle, the sanctuary, was a tent. Now, I know, and you know, tents are movable. We can take a tent down, and it can be moved, and it can be repitched. Sounds good, and we should like that, bringing into mind... As a fellowship, as a church, as a movement of God, we're all well aware we need a building. Tents are movable. Tents can be taken down. Tents can be repitched. God is on the move. He's a God of movement. He's a God of mission. He's never stuck in one place. He's never stuck in a culture. He's never stuck in a system. He's never stuck in a building. He's never stuck in a structure. He's not confined to a church or chapel building or stone or its way of life. The church is a movement. The church is a mission. Not a monument. Not a mausoleum. 
not even a museum. It is a movement, a mission. And the ark tabernacle symbolizes that. God's people, that's me and you, are a pilgrim people. We're on a journey. We're on the move. We are mobile. And we take our religion and faith wherever we go. Again, the question to me and the question to you, what do you carry around with you? What is the center of your life? What is the center of my life? Back to the ark. The ark contained three things. It contained, firstly, the tablets of stone on which were written the Ten Commandments, the law. And Matthew Henry, uh, one of the great commentators, wrote this. It teaches us to make much of the word of God. It must be our priority, and we must hide it in our hearts and in our innermost thoughts. If we're totally honest, speaking from personal experience, we hide lots of things in our thoughts, innermost thoughts. And some of the times, not always good things. And yet we're given advice here. The word of God must be our priority and we must hide it in our hearts and in our innermost thoughts. Secondly, a pot of manna, the food of God, the bread of heaven that he provided for his people in the wilderness when they were on the journey. It was to sustain them. It was to preserve their lives. So it demonstrates to us the God of provision. We've already heard this morning in, in the little conversation here, the God who cares for our bodily and our physical needs. He cares for each one of us. He cares for you and for me. Only he can meet all your needs. Not the world, not things, only him. And then thirdly, Aaron's rod that budded, which represented a miracle-working God, a supernatural God, a staff that bursts into bud, ready to flower and ready to bring forth fruits. And so it should be in our lives. The most unpromising of us can produce a harvest. But the problem with us as individuals and as churches sometimes is that we ourselves still limit God because we look at people, we look at situations from a human aspect, not a godly one. And so we then ourselves put limitations on God, basically. Out of the most seemingly impossible situations, God can do mighty things. Out of hopeless, out of barren situations, he can bring life. As individuals and as a church, we need to strive to see things through his eyes and not our own. So here contained in the Ark of Testimony Covenant, the reminder of God's claims. It's also a reminder of God's power. It's an object of remembrance. We sometimes need reminding, don't we? 
probably not sometimes, probably on a regular basis, we need reminding. But then the heavenly hark became flesh in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the living word. He is the bread of life. And his cross, the rod that budded. Bringing salvation. Bringing deliverance. Bringing victory into our situations. The situations that we live out daily in each of our lives. From day to day. Both the good ones and the not so good ones. Because we get good and bad. But note this, it was with the word, in other words, the tablets, that God defeated the devil in the wilderness. Each time, when tempted, he quoted scripture. And it's in Matthew 4. He says this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. In John's gospel, he says, I am the living bread sent down from heaven. In other words, manna. So we must feed on him in our hearts by faith, with thanksgiving, and when we share Holy Communion and break bread together. His cross, when we come to it, brings new creation into our lives. We are changed and begin the journey of holiness. The journey of Christ-likeness. Holiness should be attractive We read that in Chronicles. Holiness should be attractive and we should worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 29 says this, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 96, oh, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The ark of the testimony is personified in our Lord Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Or put it another way like this, put it like this, and the word became flesh and tabernacled, tabernacled amongst us, which I'm reliably informed, the Greek meaning means pitched his tent. And the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, pitched his tent. If you like, he came and he camped on our campsite. 
he came and camped on our campsite. Not the other way around. We didn't go and camp on his campsite. He came and camped on our campsite. And Hebrews 9, we read later on, a new covenant, a new ark of the covenant, if you like. His sacrifice brings full cleansing from sin for all eternity. He is able to cleanse our conscience and our innermost soul. Again, the act of Jesus standing in our place and going to the cross is mobile. It's human life. It's not restricted to a tent. It's moving in the community. We should be arcs of witness, arcs of the community. And so by his spirit, we become living arcs of testimony. The God of witness, when his word is lodged in our hearts, we can offer Christ. We can then offer manna, the living bread, to the hungry in the starving world in which we live. And we will then see transformations. We will then see rods budding in people's lives because his miracle has happened in each and every one of us. And we share that miracle with others. How do we share it? We share it in our daily lives. We share it by being normal. We share it by the way we live. We share it by the way we move. We share it by the way we react. We share it by the way we reach out. We share it by the way we talk. And we share it simply by showing, and we've heard about it again this morning, simple acts of kindness within the community and to the people that live in it. And then the church. The church should be an ark of testimony. The church should be central. It should be of worship. It should be where the word is priority and where Christ is the name above all names. And holiness, Christ-likeness, is our aim and goal. God desires not only that we dwell in his presence, but he wants to meet with us. Worship should be an encounter with the living God. Our aim is to be like Jesus. A holy church where people experience the presence of God. There's an old chorus, again, Salvation Army Roots, which goes like this. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. In every thought and deed, this is my aim, my creed. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. His spirit helping me, like him I'll be. And then lastly, as church, we probably need some archaeology in the church today and in our lives. What a difference it would make. This morning, I want to challenge you and say, friends, it's not about making our presence felt. It's about making his presence felt. I'll say that again. It's not about making our presence felt. It's about making his presence felt. The people camped around our tabernacle, our church, are the community. And that's why 
It's about making his presence felt and not ours. The lid of the ark, the agreement, the commitment was the mercy seat. We saw it with the two angels looking over towards the place of communion with God. But the place of communion was also a place where God appeases us. He sends someone else in our place for all the things that we've done. Jesus, the sacrifice, takes our place and takes our sin upon himself so that we don't have to take it, so that we can be forgiven. It's a place of forgiveness, a place of reconciliation, a place of atonement, at one moment with God. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of dedication. And Jesus stands in the gap and bridges it for us. He bridges it on our, our behalf. A teacher of holiness, uh, again a Salvation Army roots one, Samuel Logan Brengel. And this is what he said. I have always carried a mercy seat about in my heart and whenever I feel the need I kneel there I think the point that he's making is we can meet with God anywhere wherever he meets us is holy ground wherever he meets us is a holy place this morning as we're here, each one of us. Let's make a mercy seat within our hearts. Might be we need to kneel there. Might be that we need to seek forgiveness. Might be that we need to make a commitment. Might need a reconciliation. We may need a confession. We may be accepting Jesus for the first time. Whatever it is this morning, make that mercy seat within your own heart and meet Jesus there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Final questions. Are we up for some archaeology? Are we on the move? Are we a pilgrim people? God is with us in the detail but for me it's what we do with the detail if you're not on the journey then come on the good news is it's never too late to join may God add his blessing to his word this morning Amen